Thanks for joining us this week on the Marriage Puzzle Podcast. I'm Julie. And I'm Thomas. And we're currently in a series called 15 Lessons After 15 Years of Marriage. We're all the way up to lesson six. And this one is titled, It's Our Money, So Act Like It. Yeah, so I think um, when you get married, or we even know some couples who have two different approaches to their finances. Either they combined their income and it's, you know, our money, (laughs) what's yours is mine, Um, right away, maybe they combine it the day they get married or right after they get back from the honeymoon. Or there's other couples out there who um, have it completely split, probably right down the middle with bills and, um, you know, their his money and her money. And that's probably what seems fair to them. And I really think that if people are splitting their money, it's because they couldn't agree on some financial issues and they just thought that's what was would be easier for them. Right. Or maybe they didn't even, you know have time to talk about it they got back from the honeymoon and got busy and years went by and they just didn't mean to maybe they just honestly never sat down to talk about it and combine their finances and how they were going to do that right and you know we even talked in a recent episode um prioritizing your spouse about how leading up to the wedding you know when you're just engaged you get so focused in on planning the wedding and making those decisions that all of the real life stuff is kind of on the back burner and this is probably one of those topics that people forget to talk about leading up to the actual wedding and then when they get back they're like oh real life hit we're moved into the same house now we have to kind of figure all this out on the fly yeah so we're going to be discussing on this episode both sides and kind of the the effects that each of them have. And so the first time, or the first thing we're going to say is, you know, if for the couple that has their money split, um, you know, maybe w- when the bills have been covered, then each spouse can spend what they have left, you know, that they see that as fit. Um, and I would say it sounds like a reasonable plan, but honestly, the process there would then um, build resentment over time because I can think of, you know, with, Thomas and I finances, um, just even purchases, whether they're big or small, you start judging the person when like the individual purchases that they made and resentment, you know, can, can creep into the marriage. Um, it also divides spending power, um, which eliminates much, much of the financial value of marriage, you know, of combining those finances to, to divide their spending power, um, you wouldn't be able to then plan for those long-term goals um, that you would have together, such as, you know, buying a house or planning for retirement and things like that. And then lastly, I think it can also lead to um, something that would just ultimately ruin the relationship is uh, financial infidelity, where one spouse can start hiding money from the other. Um, Intentionally would be financial infidelity, or maybe sometimes unintentionally but if you have your finances separate and you're not sure what that spouse is doing then that's just creating you're completely opening the door for a a lack of trust sure and you know that that financial infidelity can really show itself um from a standpoint of how much each spouse makes in their income um and uh, you know if if one spouse makes more than the other and then gets a raise and doesn't tell the other spouse that they got a raise. And it's just like, oh, I got some extra money. I can do some stuff now. And, you know, I don't have to worry about adding more of that to our savings because it's my money. And so it, it can really just get you in a pickle um, going that route. Um, and, you know, 
Um, I think that's that's hiding the in that scenario you know got a raise that's that's you could hide it from your spouse which creates the lack of or the trust issues or if you did share it then i think it goes back to um the first one of resentment (laughs) you go you could resent them and never be good enough if you're the one not bringing home an equal or or greater amount um because you're you're keeping score in that Mm -hmm. scenario of of his and her money right absolutely and uh, you know, fun fact surrounding this and, and why things like this are um, such a problem. Uh, did you know that credit card companies know with 98% accuracy two years before you're going to get divorced? Wow. That's, That's kind of scary. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like creepy. So, so I mean, now this isn't, this stat isn't specifically related to um, having, um, finances in a marriage split. Um, It's just kind of talking about spending patterns. Um, But how much easier is that going to be to predict in um, marriages that have separate uh, bank accounts or not necessarily separate bank accounts because you know that that's a whole different logistical thing but marriages that have split finances. Um, If you are running split finances it is easier to hide things. It's easier to get that credit card just in your name and start those spending purchases when you're not happy or the resentment has set in and uh, things are starting to happen. And that makes it even easier for credit card companies to know that information just based off of your spending patterns. Um, so so don't become one of those statistics. <laughs> um, you know, that that's... Um, that's a big problem. And then, you know, just from a logistical perspective, where do you draw the line with that kind of stuff? If it's his and her. If it's his, if it's split finances, his and hers, you know, um, where do you draw the line? Um, because uh, let, let's, let's talk about it from this simple example first. Uh, what, how, how big is the fight when someone eats your Doritos <laughs> in the pantry? Like you bought those with your money how big does the fight turn into over something so stupid? That's like a right? roommate fight. Exactly. You know, I it, bought it, that milk. Keeping <laughs> your money separate really is is just going to kind of turn it that way and make little things magnify. Um, what about if, you know, you got a flat tire? If we had our money separate and you got a flat tire uh, on your car, um, then you didn't have enough money to fix it because you're in between paydays, you know, whatever. So then I loan you the money. Well, that's a whole different dynamic because um, what happens if you don't pay it back to me by our agreed date? That's weird. Um, what happens, uh, you know, if you don't pay it back, period, then at what point do I go from being a supportive spouse and lending you the money to becoming a debt collector of my spouse trying to get my money back? It's just a weird, weird dynamic. Um, and, and look at that from the other side, uh, from the one who received the loan, the borrower, the, the loan. I'm using air quotes here. Um, the, the borrower side of you. Um, Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, even if you're not a Christian, Proverbs is like the book of wisdom in the Bible. It's just full of wisdom. And that's, you know, not even a Christian-y 
verse, right. so to speak. That's just a straight up truth. Just talking about uh, money. If you've ever had a credit card that's late and you start getting those phone calls, you know you feel like a slave to the credit card company. Um, and so, so go back to the spouse perspective. You know, I let you lo- I loan you some money for that flat tire so you can get your tire fixed. You don't. Um, pay it back right away. And then now what happens? I become a debt collector and then I start, you know, holding that against you. Like, you know, we, we go out to dinner. Well, I, maybe I shouldn't pay for your Chipotle tonight because you still owe me money for the tire and I'll just start taking it out of your, your dinner fees or whatever. Like it just, it just really, things are going to get super petty and kind of ridiculous. And the dynamic of uh, the borrower slave to the lender is really going to show apparent in a scenario like that. Um, so, so yeah, just really, really be wary of that. Well, I think also with bill splitting, when you know, when you split it all down the middle, um, cause I'm, I'm just trying to picture different scenarios and things that we've heard of. Um, you know, maybe they're not like, Oh, his or his paycheck and her paycheck and her bills and his bills, maybe they just split it right down the middle. So it is one big pot, but you know, like, um, half and half kind of a thing, but that, that doesn't even communicate how financial burdens will be handled. Um, you know, if, if, if your partner who's financially supporting, you know, more or less, you know, what if one or even half, right. Or even if it's split right down the middle, even half. Like, so what if not to have too many, what if scenarios, but just stuff that you should be talking about before marriage, or if you're already down the road in this, then it's not too late to stop and have these conversations now. Um, you know, and, and play that what if game. So what if one spouse loses a job? Um, what if, you know, what if I decide to cut back on hours or, or take a pay cut because I want to do uh, a new career? I mean, if you listen to previous ep- uh, episodes, that's our story. We right. both kind of gone in and out of, um, you know, just different passions and had to shoulder different financial responsibilities. What if one leaves the workforce entirely to raise children mm-hmm. um, or wants to go back to school or has to care for a parent? You know, that's maybe unexpected. The list could go on. But the the point is, is really what we've seen is marriages who don't combine their income, they're actually more likely to end in divorce because it's just an easier out. Right. I already, I'm not tied to you and not combine, I'm not as committed to this if I can take my paycheck, my bank account, my bills, my belongings, and walk out of this relationship. And so that's why we titled this, this is, it's our money, so act like it. Exactly. So let's go ahead and take a look at the other side of this scenario, um, which is going to be combining your finances. So we're talking about no more splitting it down the middle. You just combine everything. Um, And it it goes from a me or his and hers mentality to a we mentality. We have an income. And, you know, that, that hits on a few levels, spiritually, morally, and even legally, everything is combined. Right. And, um, you know, to touch on a point that you were talking about in uh, the last section, um, when you were talking about uh, if if a spouse had to leave the workforce to raise children, um, regardless of income, each person is going to bring value to the financial side of the relationship. Um, 
whether you're the breadwinner or the caretaker, um, you're going to bring value. And value is that kind of intangible thing, um, but that's even more of a reason to be on the same team. If you're the breadwinner, you have to see the value that your spouse, the caretaker, is bringing to the relationship, and you have to start acting like the we scenario, the that this is our money scenario. Even if you're the one bringing it all home, you wouldn't be able to do that without them staying home and taking care of the kids. That's good. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's just how it goes. Or they go to work, you pay for daycare or, you know, whatever the scenario is, and you're both bringing home money. Those are your two options. Um, and so... But what you're saying is they're, they're both examples bring value no matter if there's a dollar sign next to the person. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, if, if one person is bringing in zero dollars per year, they're bringing in a ton of value that, you know, um, I, I mean, think of it this way, from a, a life insurance perspective, if you... Uh, if you were the um, the breadwinner, you would want to make sure that you have life insurance on your spouse who's the caretaker because there is going to be a financial impact if the worst happened to your spouse. You're then going to have to pay someone to take care of your kids. So in that regard, there's the value that they bring. It's just not doesn't show on a W-2. No, that's a great example. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people think about about that. and Or the person staying home may not feel that they have um, that they're contributing enough. So when you look at value and you take money out of it mm-hmm. and it's all combined, it it just really, I think, can like bring you together as a partnership in that relationship in your marriage. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, additionally, um, putting all of your money together is going to force communication and it's going to force accountability, eliminating more of the possibility of financial infidelity that we were talking about earlier in the episode. Um, of course, Unfortunately, there's, you know, still always a chance that something like that could happen. But by sitting down and doing the budget together, by everyone looking over the bank statements together, um, you're going to really eliminate a lot of opportunity for that to happen, um, which is going to build trust, especially if both spouses are open to doing that. Um, And then lastly, it's going to force you to set goals together. Since we have an income now, we can set goals. Uh, Like we want to go on a vacation and do blank. Um, Or we want to buy a house, so we need to save up this much. Maybe, you know, you didn't buy a house right when you got married and you moved into an apartment or, you know, we're renting somewhere. And so you you started saving up to buy a house. That's going to be a lot harder to do with finances separated. Once you combine them, you can make that a shared goal. And when we're sharing our goals, we're sharing our lives. We're combining our lives together to move one family unit forward down the road to accomplish those goals. So um, we always want to try and leave you guys with some takeaways at the uh, as we near the end of an episode. And so uh, we're at that point here. Um, and the uh, one takeaway that we want to provide is um, money is really one of the most intimate areas of anybody's life, whether you're married or not. I mean, think about it um, from this perspective. How often do you talk about money with anybody? around you, outside of your spouse, you know, because we're obviously advocating for that, but um, with anyone around you, what would you say? No, I I think it's a very, very private thing. You don't talk about how much you make or Mm -hmm. how much you spend or anything. (laughs) Right. So it's vital that 
uh, since this is one of the most intimate areas of anyone's life in general, that if this is a hidden area from your spouse, it's going to cause that distrust. It's going to cause things to start crumbling. Um, and so you have to make sure that you're opening up and talking about that um, to your spouse. I mean, we just did an episode um, recently uh, called Intimacy is More Than Just Sex. And I would say that talking about money and being on the same page with money provides so much security for both spouses that there's no other thing to call it but intimate. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, but you, you could be sitting there and saying, yeah, but this is how my background was with my money. Like, you don't know my background. You don't know what I, how I was raised or what I learned or what I didn't learn and why I'm scared. And well, yeah, you're right. I don't, your spouse probably doesn't if you're saying that. So you need to share your money story with your spouse, share what you've been through. If you're, whether you're, whether you're combining your money already, or whether you're on the side that has your money split, you may have some history with money that you still need to get to the forefront with your spouse. And that might give them the insight of, oh, that's why you spend the way you spend, or that's why you like saving so much money. Um, and, you know, you have to share your story. You have to share your fears, your dreams, and your attitude about giving money away. Um, giving, just, you know, sidebar here, giving should be one of the top things in your budget, um, if not the top thing in your budget. Giving changes your heart towards money. And so if you give some money away to someone less fortunate than you, um, that's going to always make you feel like no matter what scenario you're in, you were able to help somebody else. You can be sitting in $200,000 worth of debt and you know, you buy someone's lunch, you are going to feel so much different that day. So little soapbox there, um, (laughs) about, about giving, but make sure it's at the top of your budget. Yeah, it makes you grateful, grateful for what you have Absolutely. and what you're able to give. And I think just uh, like that, the first takeaway is to talk to your spouse about money. Be open, be intimate, because no matter what scenario you're in, it, it's never too late to change um, your relationship with money, which will change your relationship with your spouse um, and, you know, and then your future generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the next and last takeaway is don't just talk about it. So even if you did, you do combine your, your finances and you're like, yep, I do that. Great. It says it's our money. So act like it. Well, the act like it part (laughs) is not enough. Um, here's the fine print of this episode. It's not enough to just combine your money and then never talk about it again and never um, be actively involved with it together. So the last takeaway is to do a budget together Mm -hmm. Um, and then have a regular, we recommend monthly budget meeting together. Mm Because another, you know, people say, yep, we combine them, check check that box. Yep, we do a budget, check that box. But have... Do you look at that budget every month to see, did you hit that budget? Did you go over that budget? What does that look like? Well, and talk about the perspective of the, the, I call it an older model of doing finances where one spouse, yes, maybe all the money's combined, but one spouse does the finances and tells the other spouse, you know, how to, you know, spend and, you know, what, what the budget is, but the second spouse doesn't really get involved that can also be a recipe for disaster. So um, that's where the act like it part comes in is doing that budget together. Even if you're not the money oriented one or the, the one who naturally gravitates towards that, that's okay. You still have to 
have your nose in it a little bit and make sure that you understand what's going on. I mean, absolutely. That's why it's a, a lesson after 15 years of marriage that we've learned because we, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, you know, if you haven't, <laughs> if we haven't played our cards, you know, for you to see, uh, so easily early on in this episode, we do have our money combined. We did that from the start, but we did not always do this last takeaway of doing a budget together and, um, learning to do that over time has, uh, built the, built the trust. Um, it's created ownership, uh, together of our finances, but of yeah, successes and failures, it was, it, it was like a partnership, right. you know, um, and a covenant relationship. Mm-hmm. It's taken out, you know, going back to trust it, it's taken away the insecurities and the wonder of what, where, not just what are you doing with the money, but where's the money going to, mm-hmm. are we, are we safe and secure or are we, you know, struggling? Um, and it, you know, took out resentment on those purchases. And there's so much more I can get into details. And I'm not the financial person in the family, but um, just just from doing it together. So practically speaking, what that looks like is, you know, we have we have the budget, the monthly income and the monthly um, you know, out income, income and expenses. Those are the right financial <laughs> words. I told you I'm not a financial person, the plus and the minuses. Um, but then we have a, a monthly budget meeting yeah. and this isn't just a meeting that we do on date night or, um, you know, when we're talking about the, the schedule or the calendar and like all these other things, like it is only a budget meeting. So there is a defined time a day and time a start time and an end time because if you're new to this you could spend hours talking maybe even starting to fight (laughs) um about money and that's not the point here you actually need to limit it to shorter amounts just you know little bite-sized pieces um and it might be a long journey but it's something that we've personally walked through that then now i can you know testify that we are on the same page um, but we did have to set those uh, boundaries on parameters of time limits. So, you know, I could only handle so much talk <laughs> about these numbers um, before I got frustrated. But also now I can get excited to show up for that monthly meeting and go, cool, where are we at? How do we do? What, what do we need to talk and plan about? And um, so talk about money, combined your money, and then do a budget together. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, in, if you need help in this area um, of combining your money or getting your budget set up, uh, you know, creating that plan, um, uh, I am a financial coach. I do this for a living. So um, this is an area that I really uh, hone in on. It's one of my favorite areas to work with. Um, so, so if that's an area that you're struggling with, uh, reach out to me. We're going to have um, the information where you can reach me um, at uh, TMH Financial Coaching uh, in our show notes. Um, you can also uh, find me on social and uh, and check everything out there. Uh, but reach out to me. I'd love to find a way to help you out. This is a really practical way um, that that I can provide some one-on-one help for you guys. Um, so make sure you reach out and I'd be happy to work with you. Um, and then uh, lastly, uh, we're, we're coming up to the end here. Thanks so much for staying uh, for another uh, episode of the Marriage Puzzle Podcast. Um, as always, uh, make sure you tune in weekly on Mondays as new 
episodes are getting released. Uh, go and follow us. If this, um, if this is your first time hearing about us, go and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Marriage Puzzle. Uh, you can go check out our website, marriagepuzzle.com, where you'll find blog posts that release on the 1st and 15th of every month. Uh, and again, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, leave us a rating. We would really appreci- that, appreciate that. Uh, we would That really helps us to uh, spread the word about our podcast. Uh, but we also encourage you to go back and listen to episodes one and two of the podcast. That will uh, give you a little bit more information about us, who we are, our story, why we named the podcast Marriage Puzzle and things like that. Um, and uh, and go ahead and subscribe while you're at it. So um, uh, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. And we look forward to you joining us next week where together we'll work on one, we'll work on marriage one puzzle piece at a time. See you later. Bye.